Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Christmas and, 
And everybody, and there was this big red bow out on it. I remember it was like, because it's Florida, it was a little rainy that morning. It was kind of spring. I remember going out and just wiping it off. And, you know, man, I was proud to have that car. Uh, such a memorable uh, time. But, but maybe you remember that. Maybe you remember that Christmas and you remember, uh, or, or any Christmas, and you remember getting into the gifts and, and shaking it up and wondering, man, what, what is this under the package? Maybe you're looking at the shape of the gift. Is this shaped like a TV, you know, like... Uh, you know, not, now that's what we look at. <laughs> what was the shape of this box? Uh, there was one year Haley got me a surround sound system for, for our uh, our living room, and it's kind of like in this L shape. I'm like, what in the world is this package? It's, it's huge, and it's in the L. I'm like, what could this be? Maybe, maybe it's like the you remember the movie Christmas Story? The guy that the, the dad that got the leg lamp, remember? And it comes in this giant crate that says fragile. And he's like, good oh, Jesus. what it was. And I think that's Christmas for a lot of people. We can see what it looks like. We know the signs. We know the lights. We know the colors, the, the reds and the greens and silver and gold and silver and gold. If you don't know, I break out the song every now and then to just be warned if you're new. Yeah, the lights, the colors, the sounds, the music, the movies, the Hallmark ladies we got. Can't wait. That to be over. Um, the wrappings, the parties, the food, the cookies. We, we know what it kind of looks like, right? We know what it looks like. We even know maybe what it sounds like. Maybe even the manger. Because even people that don't go to church, they know. Like maybe you have a manger scene set up at your house. Maybe it's just a simple one with uh, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Maybe it's a little more elaborate. We were going around. Uh, riding around checking out Christmas lights. Anybody do that? Take the kids around look at Christmas lights. Well, we were driving through Wal uh, Walm Lake, and these people, their entire yard was a giant angel scene. Like, the whole thing. Like, uh, we're talking like eight-foot-tall angels, and, and, and everything was huge, and it took up this whole yard. Like, wow, that's incredible. But even people, they, they recognize it, even with the, the mangers in them. And we, we know what it looks like. We know the signs of Christmas, but do we really understand the significance do we understand that? Yeah, I know we know, yeah, Jesus was born, he's the uh, you know, son of God, and yes, he came to be Savior. But, but do we really understand what that means for us? Maybe some of you do, maybe some of you don't. Maybe you're watching this online somehow, some way, at some point. Do we really understand what that means for us? It's more than just being forgiven of our sin. It's more than just... You know, all the, the comfort and joy that comes with, 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 with Jesus. There's so much more to it than that. So as we continue the series on to us, I want you to see that Christmas is more than the manger. It's more than the manger. It's more than the scene that we have pictured in our head as we read the Christmas story every year. We watch the movies and we tell those things. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We've been in Isaiah through this series. Last week we looked at Isaiah uh, chapter 7. And we see Isaiah speaking to King Ahaz, who is the king of Judah. If you remember, King Ahaz is not a, a godly king. He's not a good king at all. He's a, he, he did not do right in the eyes of the Lord. He even sacrificed his own son at one point. He's not a good king. People of Israel are in a time of rebellion and sin. And 
And you could say that we're in a time of darkness. And, and Isaiah comes, God speaks to Isaiah to tell King Ahaz to hey, I want you to trust in me. And if you remember last week, there was an invasion that was going to happen from uh, the north, from, from Israel. And, and Israel had partnered up with another uh, uh, empire. They were going to come in and, and they were going to invade uh, Judah. So everyone was kind of up in arms and worried and scared. And, and the word of the Lord came through Isaiah to King Ahaz to say, listen, don't be afraid. I'm going to take care of it. But I want you to put your trust in me. And then we know the scripture where he says, that this will be a sign unto you, there will be a virgin and give birth, right? And we know that, again, we know all those little things, but we, do we know where they came from? Do we know what they are in context and, and what they really uh, were for? And they said that this, this child, this son, would be Emmanuel, which we learned means what? God with us. There's a few of you who are on point with me this morning. So now let's go up to Isaiah chapter 9. Starting in verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee and the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the thunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across the shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For, here we go, unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from the time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I pray today that we see beyond the manger, that we would... Uh, see the Savior today, that we would see this Son beyond being a baby, but we would see Him as our Prince of Peace today, that we would see Him as Almighty God, that we would see Him as Everlasting Father, that we would see Him, we would see the significance of what Christmas really is all about, it's beyond the, the gifts and the, the trees and the lights and all the things that we've come to know. God, we would see the significance. We would see what it is, the plan that you laid out for all of us. God, we would not only see and understand, but we would live it. God, we would accept it. We would have it burn in our hearts today. God, let us see more than the sign. Let us see the significance. Speak to us today by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone said it. Amen. Amen. Remember, the scene we set last week, Isaiah told us the virgin would conceive a child, and that child would be Emmanuel, God, with us. Now we start to learn a little bit more about this child. We start to learn more about this anointed one who would be God with us. He would be the incarnation of God. He would be the physical revelation of God himself to 
humanity. And he would have rule over the world. We just read in, in verse 7 of Isaiah 9 of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. So this anointed one, this child, would have rule. And since he is Emmanuel, since he is God with us, his kingdom will be God's kingdom. Isaiah fast forwards into the future and describes a time where there will be no more gloom uh, for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, he said. Isaiah is speaking of the future kingdom of God where evil is vanquished. God's righteousness prevails. The anointed child won't just be ruler over the world, but will rule with justice and moral virtue. He goes on to name him a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. All these were to describe who this ruler would be, who he would be, what his nature would be, how he would rule over us. Now remember, again, in the context of what we read last week in Isaiah, this king is not a good king, King Ahab. He was not a good king. Evil uh, in the eyes of, of the Lord, the people were in a dark place and in rebellion to God. And we see this direct contrast for what the people were experiencing then. They were experiencing a, a harsh king, a, not a good king. He, he, he didn't rule with justice and, and with peace. We see a contrast between that and in the future kingdom. We see the contrast between that and the kingdom that God was wanting to establish through Jesus. And what did he say? He would be a, a prince of peace. So he would rule with peace. He would be a, a, a wonderful counselor. Right? He, he would counsel those in need. He would be mighty and everlasting and just. So Emmanuel, God with us, would be the exact opposite of what the people had in that moment. Now look at us, fast forward to 2020, and, and look at the world today. I mean, you can say the world is in darkness today, couldn't you? We see it all around us. You can say that the world is in darkness, that people are, are, are in a dark place, not, not, not necessarily dark the way that maybe we think of it, but just with everything going on, people are struggling, people are hurting. People need to encounter this mighty God today. People need to encounter the Prince of Peace right here, right now, today, in 2020, just as much as they did way back in Isaiah's days. You and I... Whether you're going through something right now or not, we need an encounter with Almighty God. A fresh encounter. Come on. We need that still to this day. So Isaiah's words in Isaiah 9, 6, still ring true for us today. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We need him today. So I want to unpack those things for you, those names that were given to Jesus, his nature, how he would rule, how he is ruling today, how he will rule in your hearts, whether you believe him or not, okay? Let's unpack those names with the rest of the time that we have together. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. The word for wonderful is Pele, not Pele, that was a famous soccer player, okay? Pele, right? This means beyond understanding. Too wonderful for words. Come on, isn't that Jesus? Isn't he too wonderful for words? Have you ever encountered God? Have you ever encountered his provisions? Have you ever encountered...
encountered a healing from him? Have you ever encountered his power and his presence in such a way that you stood back and said, oh my goodness, I want some more uh, of that. There's a few of you excited about that, and that's good, but I don't know where the rest of you are. Maybe you're still in awe and wonder, I don't know, but... but but this is the wonderful counselor. Maybe some of you in the room, you've been healed by God. And you have no words to explain it. All you can say is, man, that, that just has to be God. Some of you have encountered doctors through that process that said, this is only a miracle. I don't know how to explain it. That's the wonderful, the Pele counselor. You have to excuse my Hebrew or Greek. It ends up sounding Spanish because that's all I really know. So just roll with it, Okay. He's a wonderful case, too wonderful for our brains. We can't even comprehend the goodness of God. The Bible tells us, though, to taste and see that He is good. I don't know if you've ever had a breakthrough in your life. You were struggling, you were going through something, and, and, and you just said, I don't know what else to do. I'm at my wits' end, I'm at my, I'm at my ending point, and then God came through in a most incredible way, and you, you had no words to explain. You had no idea. You didn't know the bills and the paperwork didn't match up with the way God came through, and you had no way to explain it. No words to explain the wonderful counselor. He's more than just the baby in the manger. He is our wonderful counselor. Hele, beyond understanding, too wonderful for words. There's times that God is going to move in your life. If he hasn't already, you're not going to know how to respond other than to praise him. You're not going to have words to explain it to our mere human minds and imaginations. The word for counselor is yoax. It means to advise, to counsel. To God. We have a God. We have someone who will counsel us. Who is too wonderful for words, Eddie. Wonderful counselor. Hale. Yawax. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 explains it like this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. You can come to God with confidence. You can come to God with, with all hope and, with, and, 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 and confidence in that he understands what you are going through. You don't have some far off God that doesn't understand you. That, that we, we have a very personal God that wants to be involved in, in our life if we would choose him. And he understands what you are going through. Wonderful. <clears throat> Counsel. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is the wonderful counselor, and the wonderful counselor comes for the sick. You remember when Jesus was talking with the religious leaders and, and he was eating with what they would be considered sinners, right? And the religious leaders are like, why does he sit with sinners? You know, and they, you know, they're all smug and everything, right? At least that's how I picture them in my mind. We're not doing that. And Jesus says this in Luke 5, 31 through 32. Jesus answered him, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. For many of us, we understand, we've come to an understanding of that. Maybe you're in the room and you don't know the wonderful counsel in a like that. You don't know Jesus like that just yet. He's calling 
He has an invitation for you to come to him. Now, maybe you're here today and you're struggling. But you believe or not, maybe you're struggling with something in your life. An issue, a trouble, a trial, a sin, an addiction, something. Where are you sick at in your life today? I don't mean sick as in, I start feeling pretty good today. No Rona, no any you know, But I don't mean sick necessarily like that. Where are you hurting in your life today? Where are you struggling? What are you going through? And if we're going to get healing from the wonderful counselor, here's a few things that we need to do. So if you really need this, you might want to write this down. If we want to have this healing and experience this healing from the wonderful counselor for whatever hurts or issues or things that we're going on in our life, first we have to be brutally honest with the wonderful counselor. We have to be brutally honest with the wonderful counselor. Honestly, it is the first step to say, God, I need you. I'm in a, in a, in a weird place. I'm in a rough place. I'm in a, in a struggle. I'm, I'm struggling with this sin. I'm struggling with this issue, this problem. I'm just struggling in life. And, and God, I don't know what else to do. I, and God wants us to come to him. In fact, in Psalm 55, 22, it tells us to cast our cares on the Lord because he will sustain you. Right? He will never let the righteous fall. Being honest is the first Step. Here's what happens if we hold that back from God. If we hold back from God, we hold on to our struggle. Right? It's like, man, if your brain did not signal to your body that you were bleeding, or that you were hurting, or that you had a pain somewhere, and so you never did anything about it, right? So you never called the doctor, you didn't go to the ER, you didn't go on WebMD, you know? You didn't do any of those things, you just kept going. So you never did anything about it. So then the problem got worse and worse and worse. And so, so that's for us today. If, if we keep going on like there's nothing wrong, right? Or maybe we do see something that needs to be fixed in our life or worked on in our life. But we think, you know what? I just, I just can't. I can't deal. I, you know, I, I, I don't think I can ever change. I don't think I can ever get through this. Well, guess what? You won't. Right? But if you're honest, if you'll talk to God now, you'll cast your care upon him the way that he says. There's a promise with that. It says he will take care of you. But if we think we can't, or we, we're just stubborn and saying, you know, I, I, I won't. I, I like this. Right? And what happens is we stay in the same patterns. We keep doing the same things. We stay in the same cycles. We keep repeating the same things. We're on that hamster wheel, right? Ever see the hamster and they just run, 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 run? That can be us in life sometimes if we're not willing to be honest with God and give Him those things. But the wonderful counselor is here. He is here. He is here for you. He is here with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And, and He will be there for you. You can trust in Him today. Listen to the prophecies that, that were true about Him, that came true about Him, that came some 700 years in Isaiah's time before Christ. Came and they came true. So it's not just a story that we try to fluff you up with. It's true. This is truth, right? He is here. Jesus was born. He lived. He did miracles. He died. And come on, he rose again. And because he lives, guess what? I can face tomorrow. You can face whatever you go through in your life. The counselor is here. The counselor is here. It's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It's not some storybook. Wonderful counselor is here. So be honest. What's your deepest struggle today? 
What's your biggest fear today? What hurts are you going through? Is there some addiction in your life? Addiction doesn't always mean drugs and alcohol. It could be many other things. What are you going through today? What do you need healing from? From our wonderful counselor. The first step to that is being honest. Then we have to listen to the counselor's voice. John 10, 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Listen, there's all kind of voices and influences in the world right now. In your life, throughout life, you'll come to recognize there's all... Yeah, you got voices in your head. Just be honest. <laughs> we all do. There's all these voices, all these influences, all these temptations all around us all the time. Do you know God's voice bigger and louder than those other voices? Are you able to hear His voice louder than all those other voices in your life? Can you recognize it? Do you know Him? Do you know His voice? I'm going to help you with that. If you know His word, you'll know His voice. If you know His word, you'll be able to decipher his voice because you'll know God himself. Right? So when you hear something contrary to God's word, see that's your that's your test, that's your plumb line, that's your standard, that's how we, we live by. So if you hear something or feel something or experience something that's contrary to that, then and that's not God's word, that's not what God wants for you. Don't listen to that voice. Sometimes that's our own voice, sometimes that's our emotions. And there's something that feels right, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's right. There's something that feels good, so if it feels good, then it must be right. But not everything that feels good is right. The Bible says for us to flee the appearance of evil. And I'll add on to that even if it's dressed up like something good. It might be good, but it may not be God. So we have to be able to hear God's voice in the midst of all of the voices so that we can listen to them. So we've got to know his word, know his voice, and find time to listen. Right? You need to be finding a place, a time. Doesn't matter so much what it looks like, just that you are finding that place and that time where you are hearing from God. Whether that's a devotional time, a quiet time, whether that's a, a, a prayer room, a, a war room, so to speak, if you have that set up, a prayer closet, or if that's just your bed uh, right before you go to sleep at night. It doesn't matter what it looks like, just that you have that time when you are hearing the voice of the wonderful counselor. So you got to be honest, you got to listen, and then do what the counselor tells you to do. You remember the, the story of the rich young ruler, right? He had great wealth, and he came to Jesus, asked him about salvation. Jesus says, like, follow all the commandments. He's like, I've been, I've been doing that my whole life, right? I've been doing that my whole life. And, and in Mark's account of this, in Mark 10, in verse 20, says, Teacher, I've kept those since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing he liked, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He wasn't willing to do what the great counselor, the wonderful counselor told him. Listen, if you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, listen, you need to cut back on the sugar, right? You need to eat better, you need to exercise, and, and, and you're like, okay, cool, doc, thanks. And then you don't go do those things, but then you keep getting worse or whatever it is that's going on in your body, like, that doesn't work, right? And it's like this, it's like if you have a treadmill, you buy this treadmill, hang on, 
I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to work on the gas tank. I'm going to buff, right? And, 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 and yeah, I'm going to show off the holiday, you know, treats and all this stuff, right? So get this treadmill in. And then the treadmill just sits in the corner. Never gets turned on. And so you're frustrated. Man, I stepped on the scale this morning. I ain't lost anything. I'm gaining weight. This thing's a piece of junk. It don't work. I'm going I'm to take it back. I'm going to get my money back because this broke. It's not broke. It's not junk. It's just lazy. Right? And, and we can do the same thing, man. There's, things, there's, there's deep things that God wants to take us to. There's, there's this surface. God just wants you to trust in Him. Like, there's surface things that God wants for our life. And sometimes we're not even willing to do littlest things. God is calling us. Be honest, listen, obey the wonderful counselor. Say, hey, he'll be called wonderful counselor. He'll be called mighty God. Mighty God. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Our sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Our God is almighty God. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. God is trend. Uh, in other words, he is above and outside of all things, outside of space, time, and matter. So he's all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere. I wish I had more time to really dig into that, maybe for another message. He is all-powerful. He is mighty God. And what that means for you and I is that Jesus' power is at work in you. Let me believe that today. Jesus' power is at work in you. You. Philippians 2.13, but God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do whatever you want. I don't know right now. Let's try that. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what makes you feel good. No, no, that's not right. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. That is the purpose for His power, to please Him. It's, to put, it's not for us, it's not to fix us, even though that happens, it's a benefit from us, but it's not to give us some great power, so I can lay hands on short and, 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 and expect someone to be healed, like, it's to please Him. All that other stuff comes with it, but it's to please Him. It's for His purposes, not for us. It's to show people who He is. So the Holy Spirit, it empowers us. It empowers us to please God and not our flesh. So, so this year at Christmas, there may be some tension in your family. And you might sit at the dinner table. Guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to empower you not to open your mouth when you really want to. The Holy Spirit is not just for speaking in tongues. Sometimes it's to keep your mouth quiet when you need to. Come on. So the Holy Spirit will empower you not to do what you want, but to do what He wants. To please it's going to empower you to be his witnesses. In Acts, uh, it tells us when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, we receive power. Not superhuman strength, not all these weird uh, uh, superhero powers we see in the movies. No, power to be his witnesses. Power to have boldness to declare his truth in a world who doesn't understand what truth really is. Power to be bold for him because there's this post-Christian world that we live in. The world that you grew up in, many of you old heads in the room. Like that, that, the world doesn't exist anymore. So the Holy Spirit will give you power to still be his witnesses 
in a world that is increasingly persecuting the church. Holy Spirit, will you be power to act in kindness when you may not want to act in kindness, when your flesh may rise up, to be patient when you're out there in all those long lines, and the lines are longer now because we're having to stay six feet apart, right? The Holy Spirit will empower you to act in goodness so that the people around us might see God through us because His power is at work in you. It's going to keep you from flicking someone off in traffic, right? You're not telling someone they're number one. We know what that means. Don't justify it. Don't do it. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. It's going to keep you from getting mad waiting in line at the stores. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you. It's going to keep you in the world, but not of the world. It's going to empower us so that signs and wonders will follow those who believe. Jesus' power is at work in you. He is mighty. God, Jesus' power is at work for you. Not only is it in you, it's for you. Isaiah 40, 29-31, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Youth here in the Hebrew actually means an Olympic athlete. The best of the best. Even they grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. God will renew your strength. Even when you're at your weakest point. Even when you're at your breaking point. He is Almighty God. Nothing is too difficult for Him. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10, My grace is all you need. Other versions say it's sufficient for you. My power is best in weakness, and now I'm glad to boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. We are in power. God's uh, power is at work in us and for us so that we don't stumble and fall. Because we're going to face trouble in this life. We're going to face struggles. Stuff's going to happen. Life happens. But it's so that we have the strength through the struggle. God doesn't promise that he's going to take away all our problems and everything's just going to be roses and daisies and poinsettias and, you know, trying to tie in Christmas. But no, he, he doesn't promise that. He promises that he will be there because he's Emmanuel, God with us. He will be there with us and he will give us strength through the struggle. His power is in you. His power is for you. And Jesus is power is at work through you. I referenced this a minute ago, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. 2 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstrations of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. It all points to God and His power. God's power will work in you in an incredible way. Not so that we can flex our spiritual religious muscles. Not so we can say, hey, look at how great I sound. Hey, look how awesome I am. No, it's the same. Look how awesome my God is. I can't do this. Ever have a but God moment in your life? Like it, it doesn't, we can't explain it all. It has to be. God, and it's through that that people will see and stand amazed. Not by what we can do. Listen, we can't do anything for people. We can't change people's lives. It is the power of God. It is still the gospel that changes people's lives today. It's not us. It's our mighty God. He should become wonderful counselor, mighty God, 
and everlasting Father. It's difficult for some people to believe and trust and connect with a Heavenly Father when maybe their earthly father in that relationship has been messed up. Because oftentimes we will look through the lens of our earthly father and our heavenly father. Oftentimes we will look through the lens of our earthly father to our heavenly father. So if your relationship with your earthly father was bad growing up, then chances are you might look at God and have a hard time trusting in a God. You, we might say that God will never leave you, forsake you, but you don't understand that because maybe your earthly father wasn't in the picture. And you have a hard time understanding that God is a loving father, but maybe your earthly father wasn't a loving father. I'd be hard to see that God's a good father because your experience with your earthly father wasn't good. Maybe you had a father who was never satisfied. Maybe you tried so hard and you worked hard to get good grades and you worked hard on the ball field or you worked hard in whatever it is that, that he asked you to do, but, but maybe you never heard those words, I'm proud of you. Son, daughter, I, I love you. Maybe, maybe you didn't hear those words growing up. So maybe because of that, it's difficult for you to hear that and experience that with your heavenly father. Here's the deal. You don't have to work to earn God's love. God loves you no matter what. He loves you so much, though, that he doesn't want you to stay the same. Yeah. That's why he sent Jesus to die for us. He loves you no matter what. You don't have to earn God's love. Jesus paid for that on the cross of Calvary. Maybe your father was always angry. Maybe you grew up, your father was really strict or harsh. Maybe you got yelled at a lot or even worse, maybe you experienced abuse. You need to understand today that that is not God, our Heavenly Father. He has love for you. He cares for you. Maybe you grew up and your father was seldom there. Maybe he wasn't in your life. Maybe you worked too much. Or maybe you just missed some of those big moments in your life. Ball games, graduations, birthdays. You need to understand that God will never leave you. So, that's you today. Don't look at God through that lens. Don't look at your everlasting Father, your heavenly Father, through the lens of your earthly Father. We need to look at God through the lens of Scripture. What does the Bible tell us about who our everlasting Father is? The Bible tells us that our heavenly Father is compassionate. Psalm 103, 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Again, you don't have to work for His love. Your, the invitation for anyone is to come to him. Matthew 11, 28 through 29, Jesus himself said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Our everlasting Father, our heavenly Father, is compassionate. He's also one who cares. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you to place, the Lord plans to prosper you. Not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Look at the Heavenly Father through Scripture today. Our everlasting Father, our Heavenly Father is always there. Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I 
forsake you. If you look at Jesus, the everlasting Father through the lens of Scripture, you'll see that He is full of compassion. That He cares for you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to give you hope and a future. He has a plan for your life. And when you look at Jesus, our everlasting Father, when you look at Him through the lens of Scripture, you'll see that He will never leave you. He will always be there. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Even in the midst of past pains and struggles and issues, even right now, maybe you're going through some stuff in your life, today, the everlasting Father is here. He is there. He wants to be with you in that moment. Maybe even some of you today, you'll, you'll learn to trust in this heavenly Father. That's you. You've never done that. You've never began that process of following after Jesus. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end of service. But he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And the last one they list is the Prince of Peace. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This was given to the shepherds. You remember the Christmas story. In, in the Bible, shepherds are watching their flock by night. And the angel appears to them, gives them these words of hope, peace. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rest. He is the prince of peace. The word for prince is Sar. S-A-R. He's the one in charge. The Lord. Chief. General. The word for peace is Shalom. Any of us know that word? So he is the Lord, the prince, the, the chief, the general of Shalom. Peace, which is rest, tranquility, wholeness, and completeness. And it's not just peace so that we can have calm in a storm. It's not just peace when our world is chaos. What it is is it brings peace between us and God because there's separation because of sin. Jesus came in to bridge the gap and bring peace between man and God. He is the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom. And he comforts you. We read this last week, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. Jesus said, my peace I give you. Not a peace, not some concept of peace, but he says, my peace. He is the prince of peace. He is the star shalom, the chief of peace. He is himself peace, and he gives that to you and I today. So in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, we can have some encouragement to know that do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which does what? Transcends all understanding. It's beyond our understanding. There's going to be moments when, when you're, you, you, you go through things and it's like, oh, hell seems to be breaking boots to my life. But guess, I guess I, I'm at peace. My soul is at peace. I'm at, I'm at rest. I know my God has got this. Because he's the what? He's the Sar Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. This is who we serve. This is Jesus who came as this baby born so long ago. He came to be our wonderful counselor. He came to be our mighty God. He came to be your everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. 
the one who comforts you, worships you, and you guys can come up. The Prince of Peace is the one who saves you. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 13 through 14, but now in Christ Jesus you were once far away, but have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for Christ himself is our peace. Gashar Shalom. And if you're in a storm today, if you're going through some stuff today, Jesus can be your peace. When the winds and waves of life seem to be too much in your life, Jesus is the one that said, peace, be still. And he'll do the same in your life today. But far more importantly, he brings peace between us and God. And that through Jesus, we have salvation because of sin. For unto us a child is born, to us a child, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. It's more than the manger scene that we all get to paint a pretty picture of, and we put lights on it, and we decorate our houses with it. There's more to it than that. Come on, will you stand up with me this morning? We're going to get ready to close here in just a few moments. In 2014, the average American spent $781 on Christmas gifts. Some of you are like, oh, ain't talking about me. But the average American spent $781 on Christmas gifts. Why? To demonstrate their love to someone else. And truth be told, that there's some gifts that we give because it's like, hey, they're going to be there and I want them to be without. I got to give Aunt Mabel that gift this year, right? Just got to. Got to do it. She's going to be there. I don't want anyone to feel offended or left out. At least. Got to do it. Now, okay, you know, I'll pitch in, even though my boss is a real jerk. I'll pitch in. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. I'll be a team player. Many of us would give out an obligation at times, but for many, just give out of love for someone else. Without obligation, without expecting anything in return. Just a simple thank you is all that's expected. God has provided a gift, a gift to all of mankind that would go far beyond any expectation that we could ever have for a Christmas gift. For a car, a diamond, that techie toy we've been asking for, a laptop, a dolly, Get a really expensive gift. 
fun into this gift, right? Just give me this snowman pop motor. Like, I'll use it, but like, thanks. But if you want to think about it, man, put that in perspective. Everything that Jesus did, everything that he went through on that cross so long ago, compared to all that he is asking for us to do, just simply have a relationship with him and to surrender our life, that is not a fair exchange. For him to pay our debt, for him to die in our place, for him to go through the excruciating pain that he went through on that cross, for him to have to experience his Father in heaven turn his back on him so that we might have life and life to the fullest, so that we might be able to experience his grace and his goodness, so that we might be able to live this plan and purpose that he has for him. And all he's asking is for you just to surrender your life to him. You don't have to you don't have to hurt. You don't have to give up anything. You don't have to pay for anything. He just says, come to me. Right? It's an unfair exchange. It's often we call it a scandal of grace. And we know this time. We know about Jesus' birth. But we forget the significance in that he was born to die. Pastor Kyle, this is not how Hallmark movies end. Everybody, it's a happy ending, right? You're talking about it. But that's what it is. Jesus came. He was born as a baby. He lived so that he could die for you and for me. And, and the great thing is that if we end the story there, nothing changes for us. But there's more to the story. He didn't just die. He rose again, right? And because he died and because he rose again, I don't have to be spiritually dead. I don't have to live broken. I don't have to live hopeless. You don't have to be eternally separated from God's love. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and made a way for you. And I thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.